dice nada porque nadie le interesa La gente de arriba te detesta Hay más gente que quiere que caigan sus cabezas Y le das más poder al poder Más duro te van a venir a coger Speaking with Robin Burrell, I believe, and Robin is the executive producer at Take Back the Mic VR. It is a collaboration with Steven Spielberg and Amped, um, another social sound platform. I totally killed it. The description you gave me earlier, you totally killed it. Um, but we're gonna run with it <laughs> um, because it's basically a global hip hop um, sort of VR. Platform, uh, Robin. Kind of, yeah. Thank yeah, yeah. you so much for joining me, and please enlighten me and correct me. Um, everything that I said that was probably just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me, Chris. I really uh, appreciate uh, being on your show today and talking a little bit about some of the fun stuff going on in VR here in Los Angeles. So, um, you did have it mostly right. And uh, I am executive producer of a project called Take Back the Mic. Uh, it's the World Cup of Hip Hop. It's in season two. And it's a joint collaboration between the VR company, which, yes, Steven Spielberg is an advisor and, and spearheads the creative efforts of, uh, along with Ampit, a social music platform for fans, for rewarding fans for discovering the hottest new content and artists. So... The two platforms, VR and uh, social share of music and artists have come together to produce the VR version of the World Cup of Hip Hop, which takes fans on an immersive journey to different countries around the world that are still using hip hop as a means of storytelling, of uh, politics, of uh, cultural, um, cultural expression and self-expression more than anything. And it, uh, they're not the artists that we see that are commercial or the artists that we see in music videos with, you know, pouring champagne and fast cars. Like, this is what hip-hop is at its core, which is self-expression through dance, style, music, politics, culture, family, uh, and community. And so the VR version is going to six different countries. Actually, there's going to be two versions. There's going to be a digital series. But then the VR crew is coming along with us to capture uh, all the stories. And we're going to uh, six countries uh, in, between Colombia and Brazil and Mexico and Canada, Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic. And then back here in the U.S. for the finals where we bring the best talent that we discover to compete in the ultimate finale of the World Cup of Hip Hop. So that's that's the that's the program. That's the project and we're really excited to have VR as a part of it this year. Last year it was just a digital series. This year it's a digital series as well as a virtual reality series that will have seven episodes and uh, just really, really cool stuff happening in the music space and storytelling space more than anything because it's not just going to be dropping a camera and letting it roll but actually going to be story-based uh, VR. So 
That's it, that's amazing. Um, all right, so I am coming at this come as a completely ignorant man. So I want you to educate me. I want to know um, how does how does the World Cup of Hip Hop work? You know, is it is it kind of like the 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 World Cup itself, where you got teams going up against each other, or is it more individuals versus individuals? How does it work out? It's kind of a mix, actually. It's mainly individuals, but this year we're excited to have seen a lot of the fans bringing. Uh, hip hop crews into the competition, so like dance crews. So the way that we discover these artists is there's a platform um, on a site called Ampit, amp.it, and this is a platform for fans to really highlight the artists that they love. And they may not be popular artists, but they're artists that they're following, that produce great content, that are making big moves in local communities with their music. And so the fans are the ones that have put these awesome artists on our radar. And some of them now this year are some hip-hop dance crews. So um, it's individuals mainly, and now with the sprinkling in of groups. But it's not quite like the World Cup as we know it through, like, you know, the, the soccer World Cup but or, you know, the World or any other World Cup finals in other sports. It really just is like a global competition that uh, really caters to the undiscovered talent that's out there. Mm, that's awesome. So that, that's how it's similar to like a, a big, uh, big kind of global competition. And how are you? Uh, what's your role in it? What do you? Uh, what keeps you up at night in terms of you know working with it? <laughs> so I came on to. It's interesting how VR kind of uh, came came into my life um, by Nate by. Uh, Profession, I am a product developer. I build mobile applications and experiences, uh, um, mobile platforms and emerging platforms. So whether it's, a, I worked for MySpace and Amazon and was the head of mobile at Match.com and uh, did a bunch of stuff for IMDb. Interact content my almost my entire career, but specifically in kind of mobile applications. So... Ampit had asked me to come on board to help them um, kind of define the user experience and um, engagement and how do we get really excited for the platform and what are the different features and kind of how do we create this, this um, kind of social environment that kind of changes the way we interact today on in social apps. Like how do we do more than what's out there today? So that's usually my background is to help brands think differently about how to engage users. So they brought me on board last year, but as we began to evolve the brand and see how users were really thirsty for stories and um, and hearing kind of the getting more of a rich background of the artists, I happened to be working at the same time with the VR company. And so VR was on my radar, and I thought, you know, what better way to really dive deep into the visual storytelling, pulling it out of the social environment, but deep into actually the community so we can bring it back under the social platform, but with a lot of really great, rich content. No. Yeah. We- Sorry, that was my dog. <laughs> <laughs> excited yeah she is she doesn't like mailmen now relax you so i raised you better thank you <laughs> sorry continue robin my, my, my bad <laughs> um, you were just uh you know i started to think how can we kind of take uh the fans journey to the next level and that's when i brought uh take back the mic to the vr company 
the VR company absolutely loved what we were doing, and they said, you know, let's tell these stories uh, through uh, an immersive series of episodes that really go deep into the stories behind the artists. And that's kind of how this came to life. So I ended up stretching from a product role into an executive producer role, which wasn't too big of a stretch for me. I studied cinema and television. I worked in TV and content for over 10 years. So it wasn't like a quantum leap of learning. It was just kind of going into another area of expertise that has been kind of part of my wheelhouse. Um, so I combine my background in product, UX design, user experiences now with producing um, a kind of full throttle experience in VR with Take Back the Mic. So what keeps me up at night is making sure that we're actually going to be able to tell stories. Like VR, as you know, has the challenge of being gimmicky sometimes. You know, it's like, ooh, look over there, look over there, and this is what's happening there, and oh, so cool, I feel like I'm losing my balance. But, you know, the the real challenge has been how does VR become a vehicle for being able to communicate stories the way that traditional linear 16 by, by 9 video and film has done. And so um, it's a challenge, not just for myself, but I think for anyone who's trying to use it as a platform for really kind of rich narratives. So that's kind of, you know, the big challenge is making sure that we do this right, making sure it doesn't look like we just set a camera down and artists are doing their thing in the background and around the camera and people are just kind of spinning around looking at, mm-hmm. you know, cool environments, but that they're really kind of emotionally invested in the stories that we're telling. Yeah, so let's let's go. So how do you go above and beyond that? You know, what do you what sorts of things do you do to, you know, create a compelling narrative um, inside of virtual reality, um, you know, beyond just <laughs> putting a 360 camera in the environment? What, what sorts of things are you guys implementing? Well, you know, we have to, because it's a documentary, I think if this was scripted, we would be able to plan, but it's going to, we're going to, you know, going to Medellin this Sunday, mm-hmm. and in Colombia, there, we don't really know what to expect. We've done our research about the country, we've done our research about the the artists that are rising the ranks here in the competition. So we know a little bit about them. Their fans are rallying around them. So we want to capture kind of the fan momentum. Um, But we don't know what to expect when we actually land and talk to the artists and get to know them and talk to their families. So all we can really do is prepare each episode to really be able to set the camera in a place that captures the feeling and the tone of the environment and kind of direct the, you know, quote unquote, direct the docu- the artist to tell us their stories, but show us their community, show us their family, show us their struggle, show us their passion. And from that, we want to capture it and then stitch together a story that drives emotion and connection. So we kind of have to rely on what we see and what we experience when we get there to bring that story together. And then we're doing some cool things with like interactive content. We're going to have kind of an interactive map of where we're traveling to, where the viewer will be able to kind of, you know, through the, the headset, be able to kind of tap on a location and get more information and kind of visual information and cues about 
the country and the food and the climate and, you know, really cool aspects to, to again, kind of make a, make a, a broader story there. But um, we're, we're trying to prepare to just be very open to what we see and find, let the story emerge and then stitch it in a way that makes uh, a kind of a cohesive um, experience from it, mm. not just a voyeur experience. Why do you think it's important to use virtual reality to tell these stories? Uh, I mean, you you already mentioned you do have this, this digital version. Um, you know, why go the extra mile? Why do you think virtual reality is adding to the to the you know to your work? So we're going to approach it. Um, the digital series will focus more on the artists, where the VR piece will focus more on the broader story behind the country and the experience and the community, the landscape, um, all the factors that have made this artist who he or she is. And so I think VR allows, you know, because of the nature of where we're going, I mean, we're going to some of the most untraveled by Americans at least or tourists untraveled locations in Brazil to find underground hip hop and these are places that would not be on your you know Airbnb itinerary this isn't what you would find on Yelp as to where to go or TripAdvisor these are places that are untraversed by most tourists. So VR will be there to show a different side of Brazil, to show a different side of community, a different side that isn't typically shown or seen when we travel. So we want to bring kind of these unexplored experiences to people that may have been to Brazil before. I've been to Rio, but I remember when I went to Rio, I went to... There's a there's a part of town that everyone goes to like on Friday night and it's you know everyone's in the streets and there's dancing and there's food and there's clubs and parties and I couldn't really survive there longer than 10 minutes because it was so and I'm a, I'm a seasoned travel I've traveled to India by myself and Asia by myself but even just being in this kind of like social environment in a very gritty gritty side of Rio it, I was out of my element I knew that I would not know where to go. I might stumble into the wrong place. I didn't speak the language. I didn't really know what was going on. I didn't know what block to turn down that may have been a wrong decision. So I kind of saw and experienced it, but then I quickly bounced. I left. But I think VR allows you to stay and look around and explore places that you would never have the courage to do on your own. And so this is this is a this is kind of like Anthony Bourdain's Parts Unknown where you get to experience the real, real Colombia, the real Puerto Rico. And VR, who does that? What platform is better for that than VR? Because you get to experience it in 360. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you, so w what are some of the challenges you're, you're, you're facing with uh, the 360 platform itself? You know, what is it that, you know, as someone who's a content producer, like what do you wish you could do more with in terms of, 360 videos. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people. Can you hear me? Hello, hello. Well, you know it's. Okay. I think I'm back. Yeah. Okay. Good. Sorry. Yes. No. I, you're coming in loud and clear. Um, you know, it's it's going to be a challenge to shoot at night. You know, so much. Mm. We we know that so much happens after dark, and 
unless we're shooting in 6400 ISO, we're not going to be able to capture those shots in VR. So that's definitely a limitation um, because not everything happens during the daylight hours. So we have to make the most of what we can when the sun is up. So there's a limitation there. Um, and, you know, there's also the limitation, too, of weather. You know, VR apparently doesn't do well in thunderstorms, I've, I've learned as I've, you know, started to plan for, um, for some of the locations that we're going in that are a lot more, more balmy. Um, and so, you know, we're just kind of working against potential uh, inclement, you know, weather conditions hmm. that may impact shooting. Um, you know, we don't want people to be too close in range with the camera because it, you know, kind of part of the rules of VR is not to be too close in proximity to the lens. So we have to kind of, you know, quote unquote, again, stage the, the shot in a way that we capture what we need to capture without there being any kind of visual distortion and distraction for the user. So there's kind of like these, um, you know, these, these, these uh, challenges that present themselves that are unique to the hardware. Um, and then, you know, we started talking last night and we were talking about tracking shots and, you know, a lot of these countries have trolleys like in Medellin and in Rio de Janeiro, there's trolleys that, you know, take folks around more than like buses or trains and, so, you know, one of the producers was saying, well, we're going to mount the VR camera to the trolley so we can get a tracking shot. But we had to quickly realize we're going to a foreign country with a camera that most Americans haven't seen, let alone like Brazilians and Colombians. And it looks like a bomb. Your <laughs> <laughs> cameras kind of look like a bomb. So we can't just attach it or set it down and kind of back away because to someone who doesn't know any better may think that it's a terrorist attack in progress. So, you know, there's there's not only challenges with the hardware, but there's challenges of taking this very innovative um, and brand new technology and equipment into countries that are probably not familiar with it whatsoever. So we have to be kind of prepared for, for some of those uh, potential snags. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like it's going to be uh, quite the logistical uh, battle you're going to be fighting. Um, but good on you. What do you tell me? I'm curious to know more about the thunderstorms in VR and what kind of camera are you using? Uh, we're using a camera um, from the make um, by makers called Cryworks, and it's a new camera. And they're actually sending out. It's it's so new and under wraps that they are sending out. They're open to come shoot. Ordinarily, we would use our own, mm -hmm. but uh, Cryworks has a new camera that they're that they're giving us for the project. So um, it's it's exciting because it's it's new. Um, but we did a demonstration with it here in Los Angeles. We did some uh, a couple park on a lovely uh, sunny day, and it beautifully captured. Uh, the entire panorama of uh, that part of Los Angeles, and so we really like the camera, and we're excited to to see what it see what it does. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Are you just taking one camera, or where you, will you be able to take one more and uh, see if you can get multiple angles and shots? <laughs> no, we're just taking one. I think one is probably uh, we're barely going to get through customs safely with with that with that one. So. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I've heard um, I've heard some horror stories. I've heard uh, a story about a team 
um, from an undisclosed accelerator that is working on a VR startup that uh, that got their Vive um, taken away from the TSA, and the Vive um, got uh, destroyed basically. You know, the, when they when the, the, they told the TSA this is a virtual reality device, but, you know, I guess. I don't know, some drama went down and they didn't believe them, so they like destroyed their vibe and just oh, broke yes. it apart. Um, so careful out there. It's a, it's a crazy world out there and people don't know um, that the future is coming. <laughs> we, well, I appreciate that. You know, I think I'll give my team an extra warning. We were warned yesterday, too, about, you know, similar stories. Not one as drastic as having equipment destroyed, but being confiscated we're being held up for days and in customs, and we're going to Canada, and apparently Canada is particularly uh, uh, difficult when it comes to those things. So we'll have our, we'll be prepared. Yeah, good luck. Um, man, that's exciting. Um, so t tell me more about, you know, how will, um, you know, what the future will hold for, you know, the world of hip-hop and virtual reality. I've uh, I, in high school I, and still to this day I'm a big fan of like underground, uh, more or less known uh, hip hop. Um, I was a huge fan of Talib Kweli and Nas and uh, Immortal Technique back back in the day. Um, and the, the thing that stands out to me about their, you know, their art was how incredibly visual visual it was to listen to them. You know, you could close your eyes and you could imagine the, the, the world that they were painting for you. Um, and in my mind, it seems like this is a perfect medium um, that could supplement this, 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 this world, this culture. Um, and, I, and so it'd be, it'd be interesting to see where the future holds. Like, I wonder um, what the future hip-hop music videos will look like, you know, where, and, you know, you got someone like Immortal Technique or Talib, um, you know, painting or, or, you know, or even Brenda's got a baby. Like if you could, if you could see a music video <laughs> in 360 where like, where it's happening around you, you know, this, that, that story, I feel like that could drive the point even deeper, um, than ever before. Cause I think one thing, uh, personally, I feel like human language, um, for as cool as it is, um, lacks a certain amount of specificity. You know, there's, there's, if when I think of a cat, you, you know, I think of a, a, a brown cat and you might think of a, a black and white cat. And, and so it's, and so, but in VR, it's not, it's not like that. You know, when I think of a cat and I show it to you in VR, you, you'll see the cat that I see inside my mind. Um, and in that sense, yeah. I feel like it's, it's a medium to, that can bridge, uh, you know, the, 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 not the setbacks, but where language sort of lacks. Um, so I just want to give yeah. your thoughts in terms of like, where do you think the future, uh, what the future holds for, for these two, you know, for VR and, and hip hop? Well, you know, I think, so idealistically VR would become a vehicle for extending the, the storytelling that happens naturally through real hip hop. Like there's, so there's two kinds of hip hop. There's the hip hop we hear on the radio, which is the commercial stuff. And that's all about, you know, image, brand, and the record labels kind of transforming and mind control. an artist <laughs> commodity. Yeah, exactly. They become commoditized for radio play and a different aspect of hip-hop culture. But then there's that, you know, underground side of hip-hop and dancers where you see, like, a lot of, you know, 
b-boys and street teams and freestylers that are still kind of immersed in the storytelling aspect and the self-expression. If VR comes to a point where, and which I think it is, you know, thanks to brands like Samsung, if if VR can be more accessible to those that are really at the ground level of their experience, then it will enable them to have another tool to tell their stories, just like YouTube has. Um, and people capturing snuff, stuff on their phones for a Snapchat or Facebook. Like if the technology becomes as accessible as those technologies, then I think it, it takes the storytelling aspect to a whole nother level because you can see so much. Like you said, you can see not only, you know, what that artist is experiencing, but you can see, um, you know, you can feel what they're experiencing because, you know, just by the nature of like putting on the headset and not being able to kind of escape the image like you can with TV where you can turn away. So, you know, as long as the, the access um, is lower, I think then we'll see the, the content and the impact of diverse stories being told um, increase. But it really does have to get to that level of accessibility as easy as people's phones in order for it to hit hip hop culture because it's not, not an affluent culture. So, um, you know, if it, the price point stays too high, then I don't know how much hip hop will be exposed to VR, but or, you know, artists. But I think over time, that will change. Yeah, definitely. I'm very hopeful that it will. I mean, you know, that it's sort of hitting on the that's sort of the same the next question which is in the same vein like, you know, how um how how do we use this technology to enable artists to make a living? Um and, and so you yeah, you pretty much hit the nail on the head with um making it more accessible, right? Um and, and so, but any other thoughts in terms of like, you know, if someone approaches you and they're a hip hop artist and wants to you know, break away from the mold, do something different, you know, what do you tell them in terms of like how to get started in VR or, you know, what avenues do they have? I think it's just a fun platform to play around with right now. I don't know. I think it's, um, you know, it can be one of those things where there's some communities where if you do just put a VR camera down in certain neighborhoods and let it roll, the story will unfold. I mean, there's some places here in South Central Los Angeles, you go into some of these apartment complexes, like off of, you know, King Boulevard and Vermont, and you can really, you know, feel like you are on another planet. And so if there's a story that someone wants to tell about their experience in that environment, then I think that I would encourage them, you know, like if you have... You know, the thing is, they don't. The thing is, again, there's kind of an economic limitation to getting access to VR cameras. It's such like a early adopter thing. But let's pretend we're five years into the future. You know, I think it definitely is a great opportunity for anyone to share their experience in a way that establishes compassion for the viewer. And I don't think there's really been another platform since the since the you know since television first came about. Um, that really establishes so much empathy um, for someone that may not be familiar with the subject. You know, like you, you really, it's kind of like artificial intelligence is being used as well to establish empathy for, um, you know, children and interacting and being able to kind of feel compassion for 
inanimate object. VR is doing that, I think, for people feeling empathy because they're so immersed in a situation that they may never have been exposed to. Mm -hmm. But because you can't escape the images, it really does allow someone to get very involved in the story you're trying to tell. So if it's five years in the future, I think it's going to be a great platform for people to realize that the world isn't their bubble, the bigger world out there, and you can go into any of these worlds just by getting into some of this really rich content. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly, I mean, yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. I feel like um, I say this a lot, but I'm honestly of the opinion that we, as a species, are going through a crisis, a deficit of empathy. And I think uh, mm -hmm. VR and um, immersive technologies are can be a tool for us to be able to you know connect again with what it means to be human you know to to connect to you know uh, the realities that other human fellow humans are are going through and I think um, you know I was thinking about this the other day I was you know probably a month ago I was walking down through Market Street in San Francisco and in a um, a mentally ill homeless man. Um, was lying flat out on like on his belly or on his back in the middle of the sidewalk, and he um, and as people were walking by, minding their own business, uh, stepping over him, um, and he all of a sudden he screams out, "You could be me!" And it was, you know that, that's all he said, and 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 then I you know and and I just kept walking, but it's been a month since he said that, and it's been like an earworm inside of my ear, it just kept replaying inside my mind like. Yeah, you know, me and millions of other people out there, you know, like you were so vulnerable to like mental illness uh, or we're so vulnerable to, you know, the whims of our own brains um, that, yeah, dude, that could be me. And I feel like in many ways, being aware of what VR is capable of helped me bridge sort of this, you know, this, this empathetic connection to this person, you know, because... You know, one day, um, hopefully, we'll be able to live stream in 360 the lives of people living in tent cities um, or in favelas yeah. or in really, really bad neighborhoods um, because yeah. you could be them. You could be them, you know. And so it's, 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 I'm hopeful. Um, what do you think would be the downsides of this technology, though? You know, let's talk about something a little... Uh, a little darker in and on the interview our podcast we have to go dark before we go back to the you know lighter <laughs> side of things um so tell me about what are your fears or apprehensions hesitations about the technology itself at this point it's the same fear that i had that was confirmed <laughs> over time for mobile uh that the same thing will happen for vr i started out in mobile before iphone um, it was working on developing Java-based apps, Brew-based apps. These were like these little lightweight apps that the carriers would stick on their deck. And when we would boot up our phone, we would see what AT&T had for us that day, the news, the weather, horoscopes. So I was working on this, you know, while iPhone was still an idea and, uh, you know, with, with and Jobs' uh, dev team. And as soon as iPhone came out... And I was already seeing it before iPhone. I was seeing it with stuff like the, uh, what was that device called? Not the kickflip, the uh, the T-Mobile. The Razer? No. 
No, Razor too. Yeah, it was around the Razor. It was another one, and it was like QWERTY, and people were always using oh. it. Uh, gosh, I can't. So it had a name like the Sidekick. I think it was yep. a Sidekick. Yep, yep. T-Mobile Sidekick. I remember that. Everyone had those things, and like we've totally forgotten about them. But that was like the beginning where people just became obsessed with their two-inch screen, and then their three-inch screen, and now their five-and-a-half-inch screen. And so, you know, we're so tethered to our mobile phones. And I see people all the time. I ride my bike a lot to live in a commuter part of town, and I see people crossing busy intersections like Sunset and Crescent Crescent Heights, looking at their phone, not looking at traffic. Cars are spinning past them, almost knocking them off of their feet. People are tethered to their phones and their screens, and they can't take themselves away. We see people in the cars next to us, you know, checking email as they're rolling up to a, you know, to a yellow light. And it's, uh, you know, it's scary how much people are dependent on their devices to keep them engaged and entertained that they're not connecting. I mean, it's old news. It's, you know, this is nothing new. But I am a little bit afraid of that with VR. It's like I want it to be successful, but then you think of it, you know, creating like this paradigm shift of how we consume content on mobile and now consuming it on VR. People are replicate that behavior that they're doing now on mobile in the VR. We're never going to communicate. We're never going to connect. You know, it's just I'm afraid that VR could potentially suck people into this virtual world and people just really check out of interpersonal communications so i don't know that's the worst case scenario how do we stop that from happening so that you know the technology moving forward but what what is it what is it going to take to make sure that you know vr isn't a an isolation device but more of a, a, a device for device for social interaction you know i, I i'm 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 huge and the opinion that VR is meant to be social. You're supposed to share those worlds and experiences with others. Um, and if you're not, um, you know, I feel like you're missing out. You should, you should, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 um, it's a, it's, you know, I, it's, it really is um, meant to be social, but, but what do you think, what are your thoughts in terms of like, how do we prevent that dystopian future from happening and here's the thing I in my mind I feel like we're gonna get a spectrum I think we're gonna get a little bit of what you're saying a little bit of hopefully um, you know hopey you know uh, kumbaya future uh, but we're also we're also gonna be a lot of it in between um, but yeah you know what are your thoughts how do we how do we avoid a dystopian future with virtual reality I don't know Chris I think <laughs> I think uh, first, I think first world cultures, when it comes to technology, we're pretty hopeless. I mean, we go to other countries like Latin America or even, you know, parts of Spain and Europe. No one is as tethered to technology as we are. And so it's kind of a locomotive that's already out and it's kind of hard to stop. Um but, you know, I'm hoping that there will be kind of a, uh, a genesis of people realizing that technology has placed distance between one another and that maybe there'll be kind of a little bit, not of a backlash, but of people returning to, you know, old school ways of, communi- of, of staying connected to one another and, go, you know, kids going outside more and playing and not being inside so much on the iPad and you know, 
parents interacting with their children instead of just handing them technology to keep them busy and that, you know, men can still interact with women outside of Tinder and, you know, other dating apps. And so I'm hoping that there will be kind of a renaissance of those uh, those older ways of staying connected to what's real. Mm-hmm. But I don't think there's really any way to prevent it. Yeah, you know, there might be one silver lining in, in the idea that, you know, when I go into... When I go, when I come back from VR, from being in VR for long periods of time, um, I'm. It feels like coming back to the real world feels like I just came back from a vacation. Like all of a sudden, I'm. I take. A, I'm a little bit more appreciative of the real world because I've been somewhere else, and I and I go around and I'd be like, oh, that's a nice table. This is a great texture. This game engine is really done. <laughs> it's really well done. Um, and, and in the same way, I feel like hopefully. Um, my hope is that you know people will be spending a lot of time in MMO, VR MMOs, interacting with dinosaurs and leprechauns and unicorns, um, and, and 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 that and so they'll have that novelty, um, and then coming back to the real world, interacting with real humans will, will also be novel again, you know, um, and and hopefully yeah. there'll be magic in those interactions because all of a sudden you have, you know. Uh, so much experience in your brain um so so yeah i'm hopeful but i I am also cautious just like you um (laughs) yeah so tell me about uh, tell me about your favorite favorite flavor of ice cream uh what do you (laughs) if you have one um i like you know there's a place nearby that has a real espresso ice cream and uh we were actually talking about getting a scoop last night, but we said, ah, maybe we'll save it for Friday. That'll be a Friday night treat. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you first? I, I, I am um, the Napolitan, uh, the one with the strawberry vanilla chocolate. Yeah, I, if, I, if I can have an ice cream sandwich with that, that flavor, like I'm, I'm set, you know, I'm set for life. Um, what about your favorite food? If I can drop you off in an island and you're going to be there for 50 days, what would you eat for 50 days straight in an island? Oh my gosh. Fish. Probably. I'm like a, I, I, I think I was a bear or a, I think I was a bear in a past life. <laughs> I would just eat fish all the time. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, no, I'm all. I'm always happy. You throw seafood at me. It doesn't matter what kind it is. I'm I'm happy with it. Although my first response was French fries, but I think I would get tired of French fries after a few nights. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> either or. I don't think you can go wrong with either seafood or French fries or both. You can. Let's. Why not both? <laughs> um, That's right. Fish and chips. There my you other go. favorite. <laughs> um, I like empanadas. I um I you know in empanadas slash pies. Um, I, something about that crust, something about eating that it's, I, there's something in there. It's just, it's, it's better than the best drug I've ever had. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so empanadas, um, empanadas are great. I like, uh, there's a place in El Monte called, uh, Tito's that makes some really amazing empanadas. So I'm so, coming yeah. down to LA yeah. in a in a week. Actually, thanks for bringing that up because I would like to see if you can have do you, if you have any rec- restaurant recommendations, any place that I you must go, um, that I must check out when when I swing by next weekend. Okay, I'll th- I'll think about it. Uh, 
you know, Kogi, Kogi tacos, Korean uh, barbecue tacos are always good. Um, and uh, gosh, there's so many places. LA is, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost at the level of the Bay Area when it comes to great restaurants. So you just, you just send me some of your uh, favorite cuisines and I'll hit you back with a couple of great recommendations. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> um, cool. So I'm thinking we're going to bring things down to a close right around now. Do you have any final thoughts, any last comments to bring up before uh, um, we drop the mic and uh, walk off stage? <laughs> No, I would just uh, say, you know, uh, feel free to, uh, to check back on Ampit in a few months so you can see some of the content for Take Back the Mic. It was, a, it was an Emmy finalist last year, so the plan is for them. Thanks, thank you. I, I, I can't take credit for that last year, but hmm. uh, we plan on submitting again this year, which actually reminds me, um, for anyone who is focusing on also on narrative-based uh, VR. The uh, Television Academy, which is, of course, the organization that hands out Emmys, um, is um, awarding Emmys to outstanding interactive content that includes VR. So for anyone listening um, or part anyone that you know that is also working on, it has to be story-based. It can't just be, you know, extreme sports uh, and stuff like that. But for anyone doing kind of narrative-based uh, VR projects that uh, will be done by May 31st of this year or debuted last year, they would be eligible to compete for an Emmy Award. And we really, and I'm an executive chair. This is why I mentioned I'm an M executive chair of the Television Academy for Interactive Media. So I'm on the, the group that gives out those Emmys. So we're really trying to encourage VR film, filmmakers to, um, to submit this year because we want to we get that, that platform more visibility. So, yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to mention. Awesome. Thank you so much. That is, that's awesome. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't top that. So, Robin, um, thank you so much for your time. You have been a true scholar lady of the virtual reality metaverse we're building together. Um, how can people <laughs> stay in touch and how can they follow up on all the cool things you're doing? Thank you so much, Chris. It's been a... Oh, no, I'm losing you. I'm losing you. Are you back? I'm, I'm here. I was just saying it's been a pleasure. Oh, Thank awesome. you so much for having me. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so how can people follow up? Um, is there a Twitter account or uh, a website that people can find you at? Um, well, I will add some, uh, some of my Twitter handles and information maybe in some of the notes for yep. this, uh, this podcast and some videos to check out Take Back the Mic. And some other cool projects that uh, will be announced in the spring. I'd love to come back and tell you about it. It's a project uh, that I'm doing with uh, the team uh, behind Project Greenlight. So when I come back, I'd love to tell you about Project Greenlight VR, which is the next up. But uh, you can follow me on at Pixel Envy on Twitter. And anything else, I'll post in the note. I'll have in the notes. Thank you so much, Robin. You've been awesome. Thanks, Chris.